I don't want to kind of open that up. How do we hear from God? What's God trying to do when he speaks to us? What's different ways that he can speak? Um, I was actually preparing for this, and I was going to do this other thing. I don't know how many times I do this. I have like 15 half sermons on my computer. But uh, like I was going to do this thing about how God's strength is good in our weakness, and hopefully one day I'll get to preach that because I'm all about it. But tonight I feel like God spoke to my heart, and he said, Jacob, I want you to speak on hearing God's voice. I spoke on this about a year ago. If you were here in August of 2006, I spoke on the book of James. And um, if you have, like, if you remember that, I just wanted to let you know that I, I know that I did preach on it not too long ago. And, uh, but I feel like tonight God wants to look at a little bit of a different direction from that. So let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. You're amazing to me. God, I thank you that you do speak to your people and, uh, I thank you that we are your people. God, I thank you that you're the God who cares enough about our lives to speak into us. God, I thank you that you do good things. God, I thank you that you are present in the lighthouse. The Bible says that you uh, ripped the veil in two in the temple, and your presence rushed out of the temple the day that Jesus died. God, and now you can come and, and meet with us, and I'm so excited about that. It makes it worth coming. God, if it was just a good religious philosophy that brought us here wouldn't be worth coming, but because you're here, it's awesome. I love you. Amen. All right. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is a guy in the Bible who's my favorite, and I think I bring him up probably every other time I preach. I don't know. It's David. So he actually went through this really cool time in his life, as long as, you know, as well as other times that were bad. Um, here's what I want us to do. Have you ever felt like your life sounded like that song, like, and you really didn't know what was going on. You were a little confused, because I know some of you guys, when the music was going, and I walked out, you were like, what the heck is this? I thought I was coming to church. Some of y'all had this look like, what's going on? It's too loud, you know, and, and I could just see it, and sometimes we feel that way in life. God, what is going on? My life is too loud. My life is too crazy. It's like a blur, and uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I do. And, uh, and I think David was in a time like that in Psalms 32. Miss Pat, if you like, start the thing. We'll get it so that people, I don't have to repeat myself very often. All right, good deal. Started from the, that'll work too. All right, click it. Click it once. There we go. Psalms 32, verses 3 and 4. It says this, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. All right, let's, let's break that down really quick. What David is saying is like, and everything was whack. Everything was terrible. Felt like I couldn't get up in the morning. I thought like my life was just crazy, and I, and I don't know what was going on. He said it like this. He said, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Like, you know, South Louisiana, we know what he's talking about there. And then my strength evaporated, and another translation says it was sapped from me. That was what one of the other translations said. And I thought that's kind of a cool phrase. My strength is sapped. I think we're going to play ultimate frisbee. I just can't go on. I'm sapped. You know, I think I'm going to start using that. You know, I think that's going to be a good one for me. But uh, anyway... So he felt like everything was crazy, and I've definitely been there before. He was weak. His life has lost its flavor. 
That's what I think of when someone says that, like, my, my body is sapped of all strength. Just put it on speaker so they could hear. Maybe they'll get the word in. Um, but anyway, um, the point is this. David had just, it became meaningless. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my life is very vanilla. Like, I'm like, God, I know there's got to be more than this. Sorry for you people who like vanilla. Sorry, but I just can't handle it, man. I can't handle it. It's got to have some chocolate syrup on it. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe a big brownie at the bottom. Then I could eat some vanilla. All right, but anyway, so David's life was like that. And, but here's the deal. What does he do? Let's keep reading in the next few verses. Click it one more time, Miss Pat, and one more again. All right, verses 5 through 7 are, like, super liberating to me. It says, finally... I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. Okay, verse 5 opens up with a loaded word, finally. That implies that he's been walking it out. He's been not, he's not like walking it out, you know what I'm saying? He's been walking through life, holding on to all of his problems, saying, I know I've got sin in my life. I know I've got problems, but I'm not going to tell God because I'm going to do it in my own strength. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in me. I can handle this. And I don't know how many times I've walked through life and I've said, God, I know that I'm doing this wrong, but I'm going to fix it, God, and then we're going to be cool. Because he knows it's sin and he knows it's a problem, but he's like, but I'm fixing it. I'm working on it, God. But he didn't, he didn't confess it. So finally, I confessed all my sins and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, self, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Okay, hold up. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So that speaks volumes to me because it says when God forgives somebody, that he doesn't just say, okay, we'll wipe it clean, we'll pretend it didn't happen. He takes the guilt away. See, I think that's amazing because when I do something wrong, I feel guilty about it. Some of that's conviction from God, but God says when he forgives you, you don't have to feel that anymore. That's reiterated in the New Testament. It's throughout the entire Bible. The New Testament says it like this. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, but this goes back way before that. See, God was in the business of renewing people from the very start. He wasn't like, okay, let's start helping people now that Jesus died. He was, he was there to help David from the beginning. Our God didn't change character. He just changed the way he was doing things. All right. Then... Here, here's the crux of what I want to say. Click it one more time, Miss Pat, again, and the last part. All right. Now that he's feeling clean, now that God has cleansed him of guilt, God is using him again. And in the very next verse, he does something astounding. In, uh, well, actually, in verse 8 and 9, then the Lord says, verse 8, okay, the Lord says, Dave is not talking anymore. Open quotation marks. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Close quotation marks. Okay. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. To me, in my life, one of the hardest things is, God, am I in the right spot? One of the things that's been the most trying to me throughout every step of my life, God, am I in the right direction? God, is, is this really where I'm supposed to be? 
See, that scripture right there says, when we confess what's going on in our life, when we turn our life to Christ, when we say, God, you know what? I can't do this on my own. Take it. God, first of all, cleanses us of all guilt. He makes us a new person. And then he says, all right, let me show you the best way to live your life. Click the next slide, Ms. Pat. So I want to talk today about hearing God's voice. I know I struggle with this. And when God told me, well, when God really spoke to my heart this, this morning, he said, Jacob, I want you to speak on hearing God's voice. I said, uh-uh, because that's something I don't understand. And, uh, and I was like, God, but, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of big for me. I can't really handle it. I could tell him about how good you are, how powerful you are, but hearing God's voice, that's so complex. And then as I began to study it, I realized it's really not. Um, I have a good mentor of mine. His name is Brother Gary Crump. Some of the things I'm going to speak today are things that he's spoken into my life. And uh, so I wanted to let y'all know that, give him credit, because he's definitely spoken a lot into me. And that's very important. See, here's the thing. As you learn in your Christian walk, no matter what you're learning about, you're going to come up to, against things that are rough, things that are hard, and things that you don't understand. This book is very complicated. So you need someone else who knows more than you. Believe me, there are people. <laughs> No, but really, you need someone who's been more experienced to teach you certain things. And he's been one of those people for me. There's been a lot of other people as well that have helped me uh, through my walk. But he helped me especially in this area. If you'll click to the next verse, we I want to go straight to John 10, 3 and 4. That's where Jesus talks about hearing God's voice. And uh, I think it was pretty interesting. I had a hard time finding spots in the Bible where I could say, okay, that's where they're talking about this. And I just kind of found that odd. I don't know if you think that's weird. I did. All right. John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. This is where Jesus is talking. Oh, before we talk about that, click it. We need to go back just a little bit and to figure out who Jesus is talking to. In John chapter 9, verse 41, he's saying this. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. He's making that statement to the Pharisees. He's saying... You think you got it all together because, you know, you're religious and you, you know the, the rules, but you really don't have it all together. Let me explain it to you. That's what Jesus was saying. So he's explaining to them what true relationship is. And he goes down in, verse, in uh, chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. We're going to skip down to that. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come into him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him and recognize him because they recognize his voice. Verse 5 says they won't follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they don't recognize his voice. What Jesus is doing here is he's using the illustration of a shepherd and sheep, which is something very common to that day. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a shepherd walking around very much. But the point is this. Jesus was taking something that was common to them and he was saying listen it's just like a shepherd he's going to come into a room and we'll, you'll follow him so just like this if Miko told us all to stand up we stand up if he tells us to sit down we'd sit down because he's our leader we know that he's our leader we follow him around because you know we know we can trust him we know what he's going to do is good for us he's not going to do anything crazy he's not going to hurt us we know he follows the rules <laughs> well crazy in a good way but 
we would follow him. And so Jesus is say, using that same illustration with sheep. Because sheep, like if you ever visited a friend's house and they have a dog or something, the dog's mean to you, but he's nice to the people that he knows, generally. Sometimes they're just nice dogs. But anyway, so Jesus is saying that you'll hear my voice. And then his disciples are like, we don't get it. I don't understand. What are you talking about? And so if you'll click it one more time. Oh, all right. We go to John, to, uh, John 10, 10. I got to get this thing fixed. There we go. John 10, 10 says this. The thief's purpose. You see, Jesus went on in the parable to talk about a thief that would come and steal and hurt the sheep. He says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Okay, my purpose is to give you a life that's complete in all of its fullness, which to me sounds very similar to, I want to show you the best way to live your life, which is what he said in uh, Psalms 32, if you remember. So let's make the connection. Jesus is talking about, in the New Testament, he's saying, I want to give you life. I want to give you something you can do with your life. I want to lead you in the right direction as the shepherd of the flock. And David made the same point thousands of years earlier. So again, God's personality is the same. It was the same for thousands of years then. It's the same today. So we can take that and apply it to our lives now. That God still wants to give you life. He still wants to give you direction. So when you're like, God, what am I supposed to do? He still desires to give you the right answer. Click to the next slide. So now we have to get down to the nitty-gritty part, the part like, all right, so that's cool that he wants to speak to me. It's cool that he wants to give me direction, but what actually happens? And tonight, I, wa I want to explain that the best that I can. It's not an easy thing to, to explain. It sounds weird when you start to talk about it, hearing God's voice, because you can't see him. And, you know, I don't hear him audibly. Some people do. But I don't want you to get lost in that. So let's all take a step back, take a deep breath. All right. And we're going to try and I'm going to try and explain it the best that I can. Go ahead, Miss Pat. In the Bible, they hear God's voice in multiple different ways. Generally throughout the Bible, what I found, all throughout the Old Testament and uh, through a good portion of the New Testament, they hear him audibly. I think that's kind of cool. So I don't know about you, but that's the club I want to be in, but I'm not. <laughs> so I don't have a membership for some reason. But uh, that's okay. You know, that's the way God did it for thousands of years. It's not how he does it quite as much anymore. I mean, it still happens, but um, not to me. So I can't tell you much about that. But I know that it's biblical and it has happened. Second way is they saw visions and dreamed dreams. I'm all about that too. I think that's awesome. I wish it would happen to me. I think it'd be neat to have a dream about something that was going to happen or something like that. God does that today. He still speaks to people. The prophet Joel actually prophesied a long time ago. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and people will dream dreams and prophesy. Another way that God speaks is through the scripture. A lot of times when I'm reading through the word, like God will like shoot something out at me, and I'm like, hey, I never noticed that, and I've read this verse 15 times. You know, it's not because you're stupid. It's because, you know, God is illuminating something for the first time. It's not that you missed it last time. It's new to your spirit. That's why people call it the living word. Get it? Get it? All right. And the last way is God speaks through like an inner voice. Like 
and it's not audible, it's just there. And this is where it gets strange, is I can't explain what that is. But it's just like this knowing that is what God says. It's just you know with all of inside, all of who you are. It's kind of like, um, you know, you just, it's this deep sense of peace and this God-given idea, and you just know it. And it's something that at first, when you first get saved, you're kind of like, whoa, what is that feeling? It's a good feeling. It feels good. And then later on, you may think it's that and realize, oh, wait, wait. No, that was just me getting excited. And it's something as you grow in your Christian walk, you have to just, it's, you, it's like learning a new language. It's like learning anything that you don't know about. The more you hear from God, the more you're going to, it's going to get sharper and sharper. At first, you may think it's God and it's not. Or you may not think it's God and it is. And so as you grow as a Christian, that's going to grow. Um, and I know that doesn't really help if you're new, but it will. Just remember that. And just, it's one step at a time. That's how all things about God are. He doesn't expect you to be, you know, finished growing until you get there. It's a process. Everything's a step-by-step -step thing. Click to the next slide, Ms. Pat. I want to talk about what helps me focus and what helps me decide whether that's God's voice or not. This is not the only thing. This is not like a one, two, three, four, bam, you're going to definitely hear from God if you do the following things. It just doesn't work like that. God speaks in so many different ways. But this is what God put on my heart today to share with you guys. Go ahead. Number one, calm down and unplug. You're not going to hear from God if you're plugged into the things of this world. I find in my own life, the longer I'm unplugged from stuff that's full of junk, the better I hear from the Lord. Let me give you an example. If I'm watching all sorts of movies, listening to all sorts of music, those things are not bad. I'm not saying they're bad. But sometimes we make, like, and I know I do this, like, okay, God, I'll watch this movie because it's good. It's not that bad. But if I'm really seeking God for something, I'll watch movies and TV, and those things begin to permeate in your mind. Okay, and you get plugged into the culture that we live in. Not that it's a bad culture, but sometimes it can cloud what God wants to say to you. And I'm not saying that always happens, but I know that it happens for me sometimes. So sometimes what I have to do is I have to unplug and say, you know what, God? Really, I'm not of this world. The things that this, this culture, the United States, tells me are important are not really that important. My job is not that important. I love my job. I have a great job. Save lives every day, man. <laughs> no, I, lo I love my job. But it's not that important. Um, you know, I love what I do with a lot of things. I love to play golf. I love it. You know it's good. You know, you know golf is fun. <laughs> but it's not that important. Um, you know, and this world will tell you, a lot of different things but the truth is it's 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 skewed and it's not that those things are bad so sometimes I have to unplug myself that from that for a couple days when I'm really trying to seek the Lord or when God has really spoken the most to me the most clearly has been because I've said okay God I'm gonna concentrate on you for the next two days does that mean I go become a hermit somewhere else absolutely not that's impossible but when I'm not at work when I'm when I'm not in school I, I would focus my mind on the things of God. Uh, you know, work with, I work with Hope Extreme, so I did that more during that time. 
Um, or if I was with Castle, I would spend more time praying, working with, um, working overseas. You know, whatever it is you do for the kingdom, so if that's you lead a Bible study or something like that, I don't know what everybody does, you know, spend more time focusing on those things um, after you get off of work. And so that helps you to focus your mind upon the, the things of God. If you play worship music, play worship music. You know, whatever it is you do to edify the body of Christ, begin to do that a little bit extra in the times that you really are seeking the Lord. I find that that helps clarify, my, clarify what the Lord is telling me. Click the next slide. And one more. Oh, yeah. Clear the air, spiritually speaking. Okay, what was it that hindered David from being free of guilt or that we talked about earlier in Psalms? It was because he had unconfessed sin. And that seems so simple. But, um, you know, if you want to hear from the Lord, it's going to be very difficult if you've got stuff going on in your life that you've been hiding from him. And, and that's just the truth. I mean, that sounds kind of harsh or whatever. I'm not saying you have that. What I'm saying that if it's there and no one else knows about it but you, no one else is going to fix it but you. So if you want to hear from the Lord, you've got to clean that out. And it's not, it's not a difficult thing. You just say, hey, God, you know, um, I really messed up. Could you help me? And it's clear. David, when he, read, when he wrote, the Psalms 30, wrote Psalms 32, he didn't say, I finally confessed my sins to the Lord. Then I went to church for three weeks. And then I said 15 prayers. And then I was free of guilt and cleansed of all shame. He said, God just did it right there. So don't get caught up in that. But I want you to understand that if you want to hear from the Lord, you have to clear the air spiritually. Click it again, Miss Pat. One more. All right. And this is another one that's kind of like, ooh, don't talk about that. But it's a reality in the spiritual world. And if I don't say it, then you won't hear it. Um, the thing is this. When you're doing something for God, when God is moving in your life and you're trying to seek his direction, the enemy wants nothing more than to stop that. So what I believe happens and what is biblical, what the Bible says happens, is that he tries to stop that communication. He tries to confuse your mind. The Bible says that he's the accuser of the brethren, that the, the Satan is the accuser of the brethren. What that means is that he'll constantly say, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, and you're wrong here. You didn't hear from God. That wasn't really what God was saying to you. No, no, you missed it. You missed it. When in reality, you really did hear from the Lord. See, Satan wants nothing more than to stop your communication with God. Because a bunch of people not hearing direction from their leader is so much easier to destroy. But if you've got a, an army with one leader that has the mindset for victory, which our God does, you can't stop it. And so if you can't communicate with your generals, what's the first thing that they do in a war? They cut communication lines to try and defeat the enemy forces. And that's what the enemy tries to do with us. And so in, able to, in order to stop that, you break that by literally saying, God, in the name of Jesus, I break anything that's come over me, anything that's been sent out to stop me. Uh, I just, in the name of Jesus, it's, it's over. You begin to pray that. And I know it sounds strange, but it works for me. So I can't, can't tell you things that don't. But I believe that when you really are seeking the Lord about something, it upsets the enemy. And as much as Jesus is real, Everything Jesus said was real, so that means that the enemy is real too. 
The Bible says our, our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual prince, princes of the air. And I don't remember the rest of the scripture, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'll click it one more time, Ms. Pat. And one more again. And I think this is probably one of the most important uh, things, especially as a new Christian, or especially as someone who's just learning to hear from the voice of God. Seek godly counsel. If you feel like God is telling you to do something, run that by somebody you trust. Um, pray with someone else. That's the advantage of having good godly friends. Pray with somebody else. Hey, I'm praying about God doing this in my life. I, I really need to seek his direction. Would you pray that as well? And then we'll kind of compare answers and see what we think God is saying. You work together. If you don't do that, then you run the risk of just going off into left field. God has put us on this earth as a team. God didn't mean for us to live alone. Jesus didn't walk by himself. He, he had 12 people with him. When Jesus went to seek God's face in the Garden of Gethsemane before he died, what did he do? He brought Peter and John and said, hey, will you guys pray with me for an hour? What do you think he was doing? He was going to have them. He was having them pray with him so that they could be a united force. See, when you're seeking God's voice on something, you need, you need to seek it with someone else. You need to talk to someone else. God didn't invent Christianity for us to live it out alone. It'd be impossible. It just wouldn't happen. That's why it's so important that this group is together. That's why it's so important that as you go onto campus, wherever you go to school, that you have someone with you that is strong in Christ. If you go to work, that you keep in contact with people that are strong. You know, maybe you can't go to work with strong people or go to class with, with people from this group or other Christians on campus, but you've got to keep in contact with them. You, you can't be a once-a-week thing, or, or you'll miss a lot of what God is saying to you in the small things, you know, that, because God speaks to you in so many different times during the day. And you can't run that by somebody if there's no one around. So I encourage you that to, to run things by each other, to, to be a unified group. And no matter where you go, stay in contact with someone who can help keep you strong. And that's what God designed us to do. He designed us to be a unit, a family. And that's why people call each other brother this and brother that. That's where that came from, because that's how God designed it to be. Next slide, Ms. Pat. One more. Most importantly, on hearing the voice of God, follow the peace of Christ. Follow his peace. And uh, that's definitely something that I cannot describe in words. I can't describe what it feels like to be at peace, but I can describe what it feels like not to be at peace. It's when you have that just nasty feeling in your chest that like, oh, this is horrible. It's when you can't sleep at night. It's when everything you try to do in a certain direction goes wrong and you're frustrated about it. That's not having peace. So I guess having peace would be the opposite of all that stuff. I don't know how to put that in words. But it doesn't mean everything's going to go right. But it means that you have a sense of, God, I know this is what you want me to do, and I feel good about it. That's how God speaks to me. He speaks to me through his peace. He speaks to me through that feeling of, oh, my gosh, this cannot be right. And everything's closing down, and I can't sleep. So I know it's wrong. And and I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but I hope it does. Um, I hope that you can follow it. it. It's like I said at the beginning, it's almost impossible to put this stuff into words. 
but it's important to understand. So I got to try. And, uh, and I believe that God very specifically wants to touch some of your lives tonight in this area. That maybe you've been trying to hear from God. Maybe you've heard that term before and never understood it. And you're just like, God, it would be cool to hear from you. And I believe God wants to start doing that more. He wants to speak to your lives. He wants to give you direction. Because as we saw in Psalms 32 and in uh, John 10, his desire is to give you a life of fulfillment. He wants you to be in the best spot. If you hit the next slide, I want us to open up to the last scripture. One more, Miss Pat. 1 Kings 19.11. Now, let me give you a little background. The prophet Elijah, I had to look if it was the sh or the ja, they're both, you know, Eli something. But anyway, um, Elijah just did a bunch of awesome stuff. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years, and it didn't rain for three years. And then he was like, hey, guess what? Now it's going to rain. Boom, and it starts to rain. So he's basically done everything he could do. But somewhere along the line, he got discouraged. And he stopped believing that God was as big as he said he was. He said, God, I'm the only prophet left. And he got really discouraged. And he went and he hid. And God was basically telling him, hey, it's not the end of the world. I want to talk to you. Like, to Elijah, to the principal's office. That's what it was like, <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, let's start at verse 11. This is what God tells Elijah. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. Okay, hang on for a second, because I was reading this today, and maybe it's just me, but I just want to throw this out there, and maybe we can discuss it after. But Elijah is hearing God tell him to go out to the mountain because God wants to talk to him. So that kind of weirded me out a little bit. I was kind of like, well, why didn't he just tell him what he wanted to say then? But anyway, uh, he said, go out to the mountain and stand before me. And the Lord said, and Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Pause. In the day and age of Elijah, the gods were the god of fire. They had like the sex god, like the gods of fertility and all that other stuff. That's what all the nations worshipped. They had a god that did something. It was, it was a big god. The bigger the god, the better. The god of thunder, you know, Thor and, and Hercules and Zeus and all these people that represented things that, that were big, that represented things that were huge. So all the idols of the day represented something that had action behind it. But God is different. Our God is alive, and he's different than everything else that the world has to offer. And then it says this. After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and God spoke to him. Here's the deal. The biggest voice in the entire world the most powerful God ever, the God who created everything, the God who, if he wanted, could destroy everything in a second, doesn't shout, he doesn't scream, he doesn't demand that you do his way. 
He whispers gently, just like at the beginning when I came out and said, hey, will you stand up if you want some kissables? If I would have screamed, you could have heard me. See, God doesn't scream. He speaks silently and quietly to his people. I don't know why he chose to do it that way, but it's really kind of cool. Because when you scream, everybody can hear what's being said. But God wants to talk to you. God wants to speak to you personally. He doesn't want everybody in the room to hear what he's saying to you. And that's not because it's bad, but it's because he loves you and he wants to tell you that to you. So much better if, I, if someone tells me, hey, Jacob, I love you so much, than if they say, well, I love you guys. God wants to tell you he loves you personally. He wants to speak to you personally. He wants to help you walk on the best possible path for your life personally. And that's why this is so important. Believe me, it's not my favorite subject to talk about because it's something I'm still learning. But it's so important. It's vital to who we are as Christians. If you miss this, you're going to miss half of what it is to be a Christian. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, I'm so amazed that you love us enough to speak to us. You don't have to do that. We don't deserve it. It's not anything good we've ever done to deserve you, creator of all the universe, to come speak to us. God, I pray for each person here. Lord, as they, um, as they learn to hear your voice, that they wouldn't be discouraged in any way. God, that, that they would begin to quiet themselves and hear you um, as well as myself, God. God, I want to hear you too. God, I, I, my hope would be that we could hear your voice and, and effectively follow you so that we could change the world around us. God, I pray for those who have never heard your voice because they don't know you or because they only know a form of you and they, they're missing it. And uh, God, I pray for those people that their hearts would be stirred tonight. God, I pray that, that they would come to know you deeper because there's more to Christianity than coming to church. God, and I, I pray for, for those who have struggled to hear your voice, just hoping that you would speak. God, that they've been waiting for direction. God, I pray that it would become clear tonight. God, that they would be able to apply what we've talked about and that it would change their lives um, with results. God, that, that, it would, that it would bring results. God, and I pray that your spirit would be with us tonight. Thank you for all that you've done. I pray that you keep us strong as a unit, as a team, as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I just want to thank all you guys for coming.